Fucking slaps. When the pimp's in the crib, ma, drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. When the pigs try to get at you, park it like it's hot. Park it like it's hot. Park it like it's hot. And if a nigga get an attitude, pop it like it's hot. Pop it like it's hot, pop it like it's hot. I got the rollie on my arm and I'm pouring Chandon and I'm all the best weed cause I got it going on. I'm a nice dude. What's some nice Wow, dude? shout out to VA, nice two up, two down. Skateboard P, Pharrell Williams. Yeah. Here you go. <laughs> Another episode of We Sound Crazy Podcast. What's up, people? What up, what up? Billionaire is in the building. Claude Kelly is in the building. Chuck Harmony is in the building. Bacon from Bacon is in the building. And let the record reflect, I was early today. For anybody <laughs> wondering out there. Y'all was clowning you know, me. They were clowning me on social media like, well, why were you late? Phil was, was early today. He was I previous. Was, yeah. I was previous. Mm, I, was, I was here. I was parked in the back. Mm. Present on the ground, <laughs> <laughs> on location, on location. That Snoop felt good. That Snoop yeah. felt real good. Slapper, yeah, Phil, you know Snoop. I do very well. We need him on the podcast. We do. We need to reach out to Snoop. We need. I really wish we could be with him in a way. He's such a person you want to and partake of the partake of being in his presence. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying. I, 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 might, I, I might fan out on Snoop. You might fan out a little bit? Because I, I follow him on Instagram, too. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> One of the few celebs you follow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, okay. I, I'm not really a celeb follower, but I follow Snoop because he's, he's awesome. And Snoop is our Willie Nelson. Yeah. 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 He, yeah. That's he, good. That's he's looked good. the same for like the last 100 years. Yeah. I think the weed preserves. The weed preserves. That look and that legendariness. And just one of the nicest people. Great guy. Really? Easy to work with. Super cool. Funny. Yeah. He's one of the best in the biz. And he's one of the few rappers that's been able to kind of like transcend. Like your grandma loves Snoop. Yeah. yeah. Your auntie loves Snoop. Your pastor like, loves Snoop. My mom loves Snoop. Everybody loves Snoop. And Snoop's on it and he handles his business. I remember when we did the gospel record. I mean, Snoop would be texting, he'd be sending emails. Like he's on it. Like he wanted to know everything. Like, that's why I very, want him because yeah. he knows music too. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, he's not just a hip hop dude. He knows gospel and R&B. Oh, he and loves funk gospel. And, you ever uh, sit in the green room, which I've been there with Snoop. It's all R, like R and B, like you hear like four MDs or some Atlantic Star situation yeah. going on. It's a it's a lot of R and B. He's a vibes. musical cat, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, his yeah. music definitely he, t- like his mu- says his that. music don't even sound like he just sit and listen to hip hop all day. You know what I'm saying? It sounds like he he's, has eclectic palette of music. There's this artist he had, and I loved her. Do you remember this artist he had? She didn't blow up. Her name was Latoya. Sing, soulful man. You nominated her for Estero. I, I didn't say that. <laughs> That's not. I thought you was talking about the other Toya. Um, I think she was from St. Louis, actually. Is it? Is it? So come on, baby, if you think you can go. Oh, yeah. Stop. Toya, no, not her. 
<laughs> Toya versus Toya. Let's go. <laughs> the battle of the Toyas. The battle of the Toyas. He was a six foot stallion, say a story book up. He was a kind that made you wonder how he put down the love. He had a hickey in his pocket, a fed rock in his ear. He made my heart stop palpitating every time he came here. He got a spanking new range for the tight wardrobe. His pants were sagging, he was padded, and his hair was cornrowed. He had his wrist bling blinging, and his long legs was bowed. He tried to push up on me, but I knew he had me at go. So that's, that song was produced by Antoine Bam Macon, as in Macon, Georgia. As in Macon, Georgia. <laughs> yeah, Antoine Bam Bacon did that. I do. I, I just, I just feel like if we're gonna play the Toyas, and we need to play the Latoya Luckett and, and make it a true battle of the Toyas. Oh, you feel what I'm saying? Battle too? of the Toyas. Battle of the Toyas. Battle of the Toyas. <laughs> battle of the Toyas. Shout out to Latoya Luckett Walker. Yeah, yes. Latoya Luckett Walker. Yeah, she's Walker. married now. She's she's. A, what she's, up, Latoya? We might as well play some Latoya Jackson too. <laughs> That's all I'm about to say. Y'all not gonna do. Y'all not gonna do a battle of the Latoyas and not have Latoya the o, Jackson. The OG Latoya. The OG Latoya. Let's play the OG Latoya. The OG shall Lat- we please. Hearts don't lie. Let's go. Man, hearts don't lie, Latoya Jackson. So yeah, there's no more Toyas. I was I was just, I was just having a whole moment just thinking how how it must have been when she played this for Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Michael shady ass. <laughs> what is this foolishness? He's like, what is this, Latoya? Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine him signing. No, he didn't. He didn't no, sign he, up. He didn't approve. He didn't approve. He did not approve. And neither do sure. we. And neither, neither do we. Neither do we. So which Latoya won? But but let's just let's just, let's just honor. If All Latoya. If you're a Latoya out there in this world, and you're listening to We Sound Crazy. This is your moment. <laughs> Shout out to all of Latoya. We honor you, Latoya. I love a Latoya. We love Latoyas <laughs> and Toyas and just Toyas. And, Toya. and Toyas. Oh, Toya, Lil Wayne's uh, baby mama from mm-hmm. Toya. I love the way she talks, man. Yeah, I love that Louisiana. <laughs> she's like she's like Reginie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm. It's like I'm, I'm worried about Reginie. <laughs> 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 you gotta chill, but we sound crazy. <laughs> You're a dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, y'all remember Jamie Foster Brown? Of course. Yeah. Sister to sister? Uh, yeah. I was in Love Nightclub in DC and this record came on <laughs> with Jamie Foster Brown, mouthing every lyric. Really? <laughs> <laughs> we were on the dance floor and Jamie Foster Brown said I was having this conversation with Claude yesterday and we was talking about this theory that I have that most of the, the artists that we love, we actually don't love the artists, we love the songs. Mm-hmm. And so I want to test my theory out. So I want each one of us to give 
two artists that you love and take away their hit and see do you still love the artist. For example, if, if, if you took away Mary J's catalog and gave her Latoya Williams catalog. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> would you, Fix it, Jesus. Would you still love Mary J? Is that a catalog? <laughs> Is that just a catalog? A log. But, <laughs> no cat. Just log. But to my point, she just she she just gave us a feeling like I like Latoya Williams, the artist, because she can sing. Like, yeah. like, right, yeah, yeah, like yeah. she's a great artist, yeah. regardless of if she got a log or a catalog. <laughs> so let's try this out on some of our favorite artists, because I'm interested to see if if it's did we fall in love with the catalog. Or did we f actually fall in love with the artist? Okay, you go first, cause <laughs> why I gotta go? <laughs> <laughs> it was your scenario. Let me see. I'll go. I'll go with Mary J. Blige and Rihanna. Hmm. Okay. Those are two two art two artists from from get go since the the beginning of time that I love, and I would say yo. These are my favorite artists. And if I took all of Mary J. Blige's catalog away, and I was just left with Mary J. If she had anybody's catalog, if she had Chris Sad catalog, she wouldn't be my favorite artist. Mm. But if Rihanna, if she had whoever catalog she had, I think she would still be my one of my favorite artists. Interesting. Okay, okay. And that's hard because I love I love them both like they that's just okay. the soundtrack to my life. So, and the reason I'm saying that because I feel, and maybe because I'm biased because I'm a songwriter and a producer, but I feel like a catalog has a lot to do with with what people fall in love with. Okay, so I'll go next. I'll say, this is tough. Anita Baker, and Usher. Okay, because mm. again, I think Anita is just. I love her voice and listening to even how her voice has evolved from early Anita yeah. through, you know, 90s, early 2000s. I guess I would love if I, I mean, damn, I hate to see all them hits go away, but I still would have an appreciation for her as just an artist. And okay. even seeing her live last year just gave me yeah. greater appreciation for right. her yes. instrument, yes. her yes. gift. Yes. Like, yes. yes, And Usher, I think the songs don't always do him justice. And I think he's got great catalog. And I think Confessions, 8701 and My Way, are you know a, a great bodies of work but i think he's just so talented i think it's still another piece of him that he could tap into musically mm -hmm. i agree yeah so I'm even stripping away the hits i think that he's just a talent he's a talent got you of course whitney houston is like my favorite female singer of all time mm -hmm. i think for her whitney houston and brandy two of my favorite female vocalists are those um, your two those are your two yeah okay whitney um i think I like her as an artist, as a singer, more so than the catalog, because I feel like she could literally sing anything. Well, when she was here, she could literally sing anything she wanted. Mm. Um, and there were times throughout her catalog where I might've said, you know what, I listened to it because it's just her singing it. I don't necessarily love the song. There were a few- I agree. Bubblegummy moments on some of her albums where I'm like, yeah, I'm cool on that. It's not something I have to listen to every day, but it's on the record, so I'm gonna play it anyway. Mm. Um, Brandy, she could literally sing the phone book, and I'm just <laughs> I'm probably gonna buy it. That's just mm. like I always tell people: if you ask me what I think about a Brandy song, probably not the best person to come to because I'm always gonna be biased toward Brandy. That's just 
how that, it that is. means you just love the quality of her voice her i mean it's like the older she gets the better her voice sounds it's crazy but brandy is probably one that i i enjoy her artistry more so you know i love the catalog don't get me wrong but um if she's saying my phone number for four minutes i probably enjoy it <laughs> so yeah. So who wouldn't you love if, like, if you took the catalog away, you'd be like, man, that was one of, once my favorite artist, but now that I look at it, it's not. Ooh. Mm. Probably, probably like a Monica. <laughs> or <laughs> Phil. <laughs> uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it, I'm keeping it a buck. Like, keep I'm sorry, I, th- I thought my mic was on mute. I'm sorry. I was like, <laughs> just, it was so immediate. Like, <laughs> Probably uh, Monica. Probably a Monica. Um, <laughs> we love. I love Monica. Clearly, I love Tom Monica. Doesn't. I love Monica. He had to answer the me. question. He I, had to answer the question. I, I, I love Monica. Oh, love. Lord. She could sing your phone number too. Um, probably not, but um, you know, it is what it is. This week is the 25th anniversary of Miss Thing, so that's her best album. Yeah, yeah. Love that album. Yeah. I love that album. Yeah. Shout out Monica's Miss Thing album. But I just feel like Why if, I Love You So Much. If we, if we yanked Why I Love You So Much, if we yanked For You I Will, if we. Before if she you walk out of my life. Like, Dallas Austin was able to like really take who she was as an artist and really craft those songs for her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what gave into the appeal of who Monica was and is. Like she. They were able to kind of just let her be her on those records. And I think that is what it was. So. <laughs> I love this song, all right? This is my John. Andre Martin, right? Yeah, man. Yes, shout out Andre Martin. <laughs> you know us. Here we are face to face with the memories that cannot be erased. Memories. The memories. All right, Claude, it's on you. If you remove the catalog from Tony Braxton, I still love Tony Braxton. There's certain voices that, and, and there's been several albums that, and songs that I have not, as a fan of her, not as a music critique, I've I have not been satisfied with, but Tony Braxton just does it for me. Mm-hmm. So anytime I see her name on a new song, I'm gonna listen because I enjoy her voice. You could remove the catalog and I'd still pay to go see. Mm-hmm. Just as a singer. Mm-hmm. And the other person the other person Oh my god. Shout out to Alita. Adam. Shout out Alita always Alita. Every, every week, every time. Yeah. So who who would be the, the one that you would if you took the catalog away, you just uh TLC. Mm. Yeah. You know, y'all know me. I like singer singers. Yeah. I like people that can do it. I still love them. The reason SWV has gone higher up on my list is because the older I get, the more their songs become nostalgia for me, but I can't as a musician justify them vocals sometimes. Yeah. 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 You see what I'm saying? That's, that's it's a thought. feeling. Yeah. Then when it comes down to who I am and what I stand for as a as an artist, as a songwriter, as a company, I'm like, give me week and rain and you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you get one, Phil? Uh, for, who I would mess with now would not uh, Keisha Cole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out to Keisha, but yeah, I just without the hits, and shout out to Ron Fair. Shout out to Ron Fair. Shout out to Ron Fair. <laughs> He's one of my favorites. Yes. Yeah. And Ron Fair makes it sound sweet. Man, he makes yeah. it sound sweet and polished. But and I love them together. I love them together. Yeah, I do. I, they. I, we need them together. Yeah, he's yeah. doing her new album. He's doing oh, her is album. he? Yeah. Yes, Lord. Nephi's sister. <laughs> Nephi. Nephi. Frankie's baby. <laughs> Frankie. Nephi and Frankie. Nephi and Frankie. Crazy.
Now let's get it all in perspective For all y'all enjoyment, a song y'all can step with Y'all appointed me to bring rap justice But I ain't 5-0, y'all know it's Nas, yo Great Goose and a whole lot of hydro Only describe us as soldier survivors Stay laced in the best, well-dressed with finesse in the white tee, looking for white meat Thug girl who fly and talk so nicely Put her in the coupe so she can feel the nice breeze We could drive through the city, no doubt But don't say Yo, so, um I don't know, man. Like, there, there are people that make beats, and then there are producers, people that orchestrate, that make magic. And I feel like we as a We Sound Crazy hosts define that, but also talk to people that are real producers. You feel what I'm saying to you? Absolutely. Yes, sir. So, uh, you know, to my left, y'all can't see it, but to my left is a real producer, Chuck Harmony. You know, real ass producer. A real ass producer. Y'all feel me? Uh, there's, there's Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, real ass producers. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But this one, I don't think gets enough love. No. Mr. Salam Remy, we talking about. Salam. I feel like we should talk about Salam. Salam Remy. You gonna call him? Let's call him. Ooh. Ooh. Hello. Salam Remy, what up, man? It's Claude Kelly. How are you doing, brother? I'm pretty good, Claude Kelly. How you doing? I'm good, but I'm not here alone. I got my brothers with me. We, we sound crazy podcast. We got Philionaire, Phil Thornton, who I know you know very well. Yo, what up, Salon? What's happening, Phil? We got Timon Bacon from Macon in the building. I'm, I'm not sure if y'all met in person, but Timon meet Salam. Salam meet Salam. Timon. What's going on, brother? Hey, Timon, how you doing? And of course, we got Chuck Harmony, Mr. Chuck Harmony in the building. What's up, Salam? What's going on, Chuck? So, Salam, man, first of all, thank you for, for answering the phone. Hello, I know, I know, I know you are a busy man. But, uh, I mean, kind of, but we got a little time right now, so we're going to talk. All right, All right cool, let's, cool, talk cool. Yeah. let's talk. Let's, let's, <laughs> we before, got time. Before we called you, we were having a conversation about beat makers versus producers. And there's a lot of people that, 90% of the people in the business, in my opinion, are beat makers. And then there's a, an elite group of people that actually produce, orchestrate, create magic, create visions. And you are one of those people. So, uh, thank you. It's an honor to talk to you, man. Yeah, man. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Yo, Salam, you know what I had on repeat all day long. One of my favorites from you, man. You got, I got so many, but that Nas, man, made you look. Oh boy. Oh uh, yeah. Were you driving fast? I was driving <laughs> extremely <laughs> reckless and fast, but with a mask on. <laughs> <laughs> that was the intent. So just be careful with that. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. The climate outside. Yo, Salam, take us back to that. What what year was that with Nas? Made you look. Two thousand and two. Wow. Mm. 18 years ago, that was kids uh, going to high school, going to college now. Damn, time flies. That that song's going to college now. You know what I'm saying? It's graduated. <laughs> <laughs> Higher learning for that song. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's going to the next level. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, you know, the time, the energy. You know, me and Nas were on our 88 in 2002. Still doing what we do, the times when we grew up and, you know, it started with a conversation about what did it feel like the first time we saw Eric B and Rakim was in the I Ain't No Joke video mm. and Flavor Flav was in the video. And we had no idea who he was because, you know, Public Enemy never had a video at that point. So it was that. It was Run's house video from Run DMC. And it was my philosophy when BDP rushes into Union Square. And, you know, it's like the, the how many MCs must get this when somebody says don't F for Chris. Mm. Like that, that push around energy. And we spoke about it, and then I was working on some music, and that's what started coming up, you know, out of a little mistake when I was messing with Apache. I was like, whoa, this might be it. And then when I gave it to him, I thought he was going to be all hype on it, you know, hate me now, noisy Nas. Mm -hmm. And he went the direction and pulled the rock him. I ain't no joke on it. 
Damn. No, let's get it all in perspective. <laughs> <laughs> I need that remix, bro. What can I get that remix with Luda and Jada on that joint? I need that remix, man. I know you got it in your, in your archives. Probably YouTube. I don't even know We sound crazy. Speaking of made you look, one of my favorite Amy Winehouse records. Amy samples that that song. You know, in my bed samples that record made you look. Whose call was that to take that that beat and and have Amy sing and write right to it? That was me. I actually did them both at the same time. Gotcha. Basically, what happened was first when I was doing um, the made you look track, I was working with Amy at the time already. I had just met her, so we were starting to work on her first album, Frank. And what I did was, um, I had an idea, like, you know, in the middle of that, I was like, yo, I'm going to get Curtis Blow. I called him up. Oh, and we flipped him and do him like, yo, like windmills. I was like, we're going to have all this breakdance energy. And then there's a song by the bad boys called uh, Inspector Gadget. And there's a girl talking like, yeah, they're in the magic voice around. You're going to be good, I tell ya. <laughs> so I was like, yo, Amy, you're going to say that on there. And that's what I was like, you know, throwing Nas ideas for made you look before he did what he was going to do. I just had all these ideas. So then what I decided, I was like, Dad, yo, this beat sounds so hard. I would be mad if I see somebody show up and put the basic uh, just the two of us chords over top of it and make it an R&B record. So what I decided to do was to already have a record with Amy on top of the beat before anybody ever would get a chance to possibly send <laughs> That's smart. <laughs> it was preemptive, really. And then a couple of people tried, and I denied them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, ah, oh, no, no, we can't clear that. Nope. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it was just really preemptive on my part. And then what I did with Amy was we figured out, she figured out some chords that could work across it. Uh-huh. And then I took the beat out and I was like, well, I'm not turning the beat back on unless the song is strong enough to stand on its own without the beat. Mm-hmm. So that's basically how In My Bed was written. Mm-hmm. She's playing Stevie Wonder's Lately and then it turned into what those chords were and then she had it on guitar, and I was like, all right, whatever you're saying in this has to be a great composition, and then we'll put the beat to it. Because I hate songs where the beat is doing so much that the composition runs away. In 2002, there were so many things that was neo-soul that were kind of getting played out because things just sound like, you know, I'm from Philly, I got a side stick, I got a bass on the road, and this is what the sound is. Oh. And I was like, I didn't want it to sound neo-soul, so I was going extra jazz and extra hip hop. Mm. And anything in the middle that sounded too complacent, I didn't do it. Crazy. What do you think it is about Amy um, that continues? Like, she, you know, she didn't have that much of a catalog, but for some reason, the, the music that she did put out, it continues to, I know I can speak from a personal standpoint, it continues to stick to our ribs to this day. What do you think it is or was about her? that continues to resonate with so many people now? Her lyrics. My my balance of my career has been that, you know, the first half of my career, I was focused on beats. I had to know how to make anything I heard. I didn't know what sample that was. I have to know what drum machine. I have to know how they got that bass note. It was really, you know, a sonic journey on that level. And then the second half for me became just focusing on lyrics and songs 
because I realized the same beat with the better song on it now is worth a hundred times more mm. and will last so much longer. So with Amy's case, my blessing has been that I've been able to get people who have the combination of both great voices and great pens. So, you know, most of the records that people talk to me about that I've done in my career was somebody that I worked with that had the combination of both. And that's what it was. She could write something that was super witty that wouldn't, you know, and no one else would think of. Mm -hmm. But also at the same time, she would be able to sing it in a way, in a melody that you couldn't keep up with either. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's the same with Lauren Hill. That's the same with Jasmine Sullivan. The same with Miguel, same with Nas, you know. Mm. And even though I've had records with writers, big up Claude Kelly, and we've had <laughs> other things that work, it was still that mo the majority of the records people go, wow, you did that song? It was most of the time me and the artists, and I'd just be sitting there nudging them, saying all types of thought-invoking stuff to them that's making them get to a certain place with it. So I feel with Amy, it's her voice, yes, but then it's also her lyrics, because mm. the voice without the lyrics wouldn't mean anything. Wow. He walks away, the sun goes down, he takes the day, but I'm gone. And in your way, in this blue shade, my tears dry on their own. We sound crazy. Last week we had a segment where we were talking about what we were listening to, and I brought up your new single, um, is, is it, it because, because I'm black? black? Yeah. Yes. It's always an honor to hear what you came up with next when I press play on a Salam Remy production. So take us to, to where we are now and how, how the times inspired this song, Is It Because I'm Black? I normally wait until the first days of spring. I chill out in Miami where it's spring kind of all year. Mm. And then I go back to New York. I know what it feels like when you live in the Northeast and it's cold all year. And then that first day when it's nice outside, we can go outside in the village. You can walk around with just a jacket on. So I would make a lot of records for, you know, the All I Want Is Use and those... Uh, you know, come through and chills. It's that first day of spring where it's like, woo, a Marie weather, I call it. You know, the a Marie a weather. Marie, That's a perfect. Marie. <laughs> you know, it's Adele weather. I'm cold. Is he going to come back by? Ooh. Mm -hmm. And then you turn on the fireplace music, and then you got a Marie weather that kicks in the other half of the year. Right. So that's what I was looking forward to. And when I got to that point, uh, COVID kicked in. So I was like, whoa, Groundhog Day. I poked the turtle, pulled his head back in the shell. Like, maybe I wait a minute. Mm -hmm. So I sat back and, you know, with COVID, it was tough, you know, being from New York, my immediate family, you know, was all surviving and making it. But, you know, the village took a hit. You know, I was sending condolences every day mm -hmm. from March all the way back to May. Mm -hmm. And then in the middle of that, you know, seeing Ahmaud Arbery, just the energy of that. And then, you know, that weekend with Andre Harrell, Little Richard and Betty Wright all passed. Man. That hit home for me. So I was in the zone. And then, you know, my birthday was that week coming up. So I was like, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm no longer in 2020. I'm just in year 48. Then when the George Floyd thing came on Memorial Day, it was just like, yo, for real? I'm sitting here at my house, but I don't know if I feel comfortable riding my bike or running or walking, you know, through my neighborhood. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm the blackest, brownest, six foot two, 400 something pound, like 400, but you know what I'm saying? Close. Um, basically, you know, masked up dude. I don't know if I feel comfortable out here. Mm. So my thought was, I'm going to say something. And I recorded a couple of videos, but then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? No one's ever seen me flinch. And why should I let them? Mm. So I'm going to turn this into, 
using my strongest voice, which is music. Mm. And it's something that I tell artists when I'm working with them all the time. I say the song's going to last longer than your feelings, so just record it anyway. So that's really where it's at. You know, me and CeeLo had recorded Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud and kind of done it in the Fela Afrobeat type vibes mm-hmm. in February and kind of put it out. And it was a little quiet on us. I was like, all right, what's going on here? All right, that's that. But then when I got to um, thinking about is it because I'm Black kind of in that same zone, I was like, Lo, you know what? What if we had different people singing the song? You know, Syl Johnson cut that in 1969. Mm-hmm. Donnie Hathaway helped him arrange it. But he got blackballed for doing that. This is prior to what's going on mm. when Barry was really mad at Marvin for doing it. Right. But Syl was like, who do you think you are? Come sing whatever we tell you to, nigga. <laughs> right, right. Are you serious? So he had to fund it himself and really went through it. You know, so I sat down. I got this room that I just kind of been jamming in in recent times. And I'm playing everything on this track except for the horns. Mm. So I basically had the Sil Johnson acapella and, you know, played what I really felt and how that made me feel. It wasn't just a laid back energy. I felt like catching the Holy Ghost and I had a tear in my eye and I want to slap somebody at the same time. So I let all that come out by hitting the percussion and the drums and even how I'm playing the organ and the guitars. Everything has emotion to it. And, you know, I've said I'm going to reach out to a lot of people which I did, and the first people that really got back to me right away with it were the people on the record, which all of their voices sound like they had that ginger in all their uh, toothpaste. And it sounds like, <laughs> and you know, they, they have that little ruffian tone. So with Anthony Hamilton, Black Thought, who I knew could sing, because we've been doing stuff with him singing, mm-hmm. but he put his foot in it, and then Stephen Marley and CeeLo, then I also reached out to several ladies they didn't all get right back to me, but I'd also call Selena Johnson because I was like, how can I possibly cover her dad's record and not reach out to her at the same time? It's only right. So I reached out to her. She was the only one I hadn't really worked with before in the studio. For me, it was just like, wow. You know, I took time. I worked on it. You know, I got tuba from the roots to play some tuba in the end. But once again, the, the music was me healing how I was feeling. And then, you know, even with the video, you know, I directed the video and got them all to send me footage of them laying on the floor in their houses and texted to me, you know what I'm saying? And I felt like, you know, the strongest thing that we can do as creatives is to put us into the art. And a lot of times I might be writing Amy's feelings or Jasmine's feelings or Nas's feelings or somebody else's feelings. I'm the chef. I hope you cool. You could be the chef, but you're still cooking what the other person wants to eat. Mm. In this case, this is what I felt. And I'm using their voices to now complete the story. That's the energy. And then down to the Sandra Bland, you know, I was just looking around and I saw that video and then I reached out to our family like, look, this is what it is. And then, you know, just happened to be that the 13th was five years after it happened, you know, to her, whatever's happened, because we still don't know where she died in police custody. But I'd always thought to myself, what if George Floyd would have got to the precinct? It would have been like Sandra Bland. We wouldn't have known what happened. Mm. It would just be like, well, he died, and that was that. You know, make a suicide up or whatever the story may have been. So her saying, you know, that these phones in our hands are powerful. Mm. We have to seize this time. We can use it. You don't have to wait for somebody else. We can do this right now. I just felt like that's it. So, you know, I pretty much created a new project, you know, from quarantine until now. I'm calling Black on Purpose. And with Black on Purpose, you know, if I go to the heads of the world that supposedly control our music businesses say I got a song called Who Made a Tater Salad 
and a four million people are going to buy it and every black person in America is going to know what it is, they don't know what I'm talking about. Well, it's cool because it's an A to B conversation. A black man talking to black people. Mm-hmm. Y'all can see your way out of this. This is not about that. This is about me doing something on purpose that is very black, that is for the culture, that is for my village, that is for the people. Mm-hmm. Because as nice as I may be on many levels, at the end of the day, if you walk left and I walk right, I'm still a large black man who has to think twice before he steps into any door. Exactly. For the rest of my life. Right. You know what I'm saying? Dad, you say, you got to do nothing but stay black and die. Well, guess what? I ain't fitting to die, but I do have to stay black and live with this. And even if I can get away with it because I financially have been able to get across certain hurdles, I'm still not getting away for that with it. And also, you know, as Sadat X would say, you know, if my crew don't get in, then I'm making the exit to the rear. You got to, you know, discriminate against one person, then it's all of us because it could just as easily be me. Right. You know what I'm saying? So Black on Purpose for me, I have blackonpurpose.org. And, you know, putting up the petitions for people to sign, trying to you know, promote black owned businesses, Love putting it. up different charities that happen. I'm not trying to collect anyone's money. I just want to make it easier for you to find something in some way to contribute into what needs to happen. And what needs to happen is that we need some unity, which is very hard, which yeah. is very hard because people have been programmed to uh, be envious and look at each other sideways and you know, to be uncomfortable in their own skin and their own surroundings. Right now, we've had the physical warfare with COVID, and we've also had the psychological, mental warfare. And right now, the only thing that can pull that together is our spiritual strength. And our spiritual strength comes through our music and the ways that we're able to emote to each other so that we feel it, we see it, we hear it. Mm. And that's the strength that they cannot detect or stop. Amen. Amen to that. Did I just preach just now? I think I just No, you preach. preach. You, you preach. I, yeah. I wish I had my organ. <laughs> right, right, right. You got to turn it on. That was a word. That was a word. That was a word. Crazy. I'm going to take you back because we actually have a lot in common. I'm, we actually spent a, quite a bit of time together in the studio and just kicking right. it in, in in Miami and in L.A. and everywhere else. But my first introduction to you wasn't actually in the studio. 95. I'm also a Jamaican-American kid. We both have West Indian backgrounds, so we clicked on that right away. In New York City, growing up in New York City, which you, you know what that's like. And I remember the first time I heard Fuji La. Mm. And it was the first time a song that was on mainstream radio had captured almost all of the genres that, that were in my brain. It was hip hop, it was R&B, it was reggae, it was jazz, it was funk, it was everything. So man, I just want, I just want you to go back and explain your relationship with the Fugees, with Lauren, with that record, with that first single. Like, Talk about that for a second. Um, well, the Fugees were um, really a great time for me. And it was great because, as I mentioned, I spent a lot of time making tracks. And I'd also gotten known as a remixer. Remixing was my way to get a big name on my track. You know, it started with me saying, okay, hey, there's a beat I got. And Craig G is supposed to call me back. But if you give me that Latifah acapella, 
I'll give it to you for two grand, three grand, you know, just hustling to get names onto my discography ultimately. Mm-hmm. And if I had an acapella, I could take one of my beats that was a cool beat, but now that I had an artist with the name on it, A, it made me make the beat better, and B, it gave me some leverage. Mm-hmm. So after doing that with a lot of reggae artists and some hip hop artists, et cetera, you know, this is like Thanksgiving of 93 when um, I first got the call about the Fuji's. They had heard, you know, as you say, reggae, they'd heard of remix I did for Mega Banton called Soundboy Killing, mm-hmm. where I utilized the Barry White uh, playing your games underneath, you know, a, a song from the real rock rhythm for Mega Banton. And Jeff Burroughs at the time was the product manager at Columbia Records. And he was tight with Jessica Rosenblum. I was tight with Flex. I was on the air with him. Whatever the call came, can you do this? And at the time, you know, I was also doing all the remixes. Supercat, Get a Red Hot. I think Kamosi stuff was floating around the building. Shaba, Patra. I was working on all the West Indian artists. Mm-hmm. So they was like, well, hey, these, these Haitian artists, and if you could do what you did with the West Indian artists, we just need to get them in pocket. That sounds it. So when we did the first song, Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa, could I get a date on Friday? Yeah, if you're busy, I wouldn't buy tickets Saturday. Hey, hey, hey. Round up, they pass the coming around the road. It was a thing of me pulling their energy out and really saying, okay, you can do everything in the world, but we need to make something that's going to rock right here, right now. I don't need to hear all of your talent at one time because it's confusing. You're over-talented. We need to focus on what's going to make this rock. So we did that song. It worked. We did remixes of vocab, um, had a version that was the video version that actually came together after I did mine. But they were now starting to say they had local hits and things that were giving them some footing. And they were starting to say, whoa, okay, things are changing. Now we're in focus. Um, So I was working on clockers. And when I was working on clockers, I was trying to, you know, figure out how I could put them in stuff. So we recorded a song called Project Heads. But prior to that, Lauren heard the track that I created for Fat Joe that he didn't use. She was like, yo, play that Fat Joe beat. Play the Fat Joe beat. And during that session, Wyclef jumps up and says, we used to be number 10. Now we put them in at one. Spits the whole rhyme right in the studio as I play the beat. So I was like, oh, that's it. So they came back to the studio the next couple days after that, before they even had a budget for the score or for the second album. And I recorded the song with them because I had my own studio. So we recorded Fujila and that's really the energy that the score was built around. You know what I'm saying? So if you listen to Cowboys or even the energy of the, you know, the Enya sample, it has a lot of what I did with Fujila with it being eclectic, but still buzzing. And, you know, creating that song was Wyclef had that verse, you know, uh, Lauren had her verse and different versions of a verse. She was actually, you know, she has a <laughs> on the end of the verse because she used to spit that rhyme over Shelly Thunder's Koof all the time. Oh, okay. So that was like her Koof rhyme. You know what I'm saying? That, that I was like, you know, put that on there because I just like the way the rhyme sounded. And then she went through a bunch of hooks. I never dreamed you leaving summer. She was singing all types of things. But when she hit that ooh, la, 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 I was like, that's it. So she was like, I put it on somebody's record already. Proz called him up, was like, yo, cut that part out. Well, Lauren gives you. <laughs> we, we keeping that part now. And basically, you know, I had an option. That was a business thing for me with that song um, where there were four members of the group and their manager, David Sonnenberg, bless him. Um, I'd known him from before when he'd actually sent me Annie Kamozi and different things. Okay. But he said, look, he talked to my dad who was handling my business. He's like, look, he can't be any more than a 25% writer on the song. Because they have to control 75% of it you know, to fulfill their publishing deal, you know, their MDRC. So 
no matter what happens, he can be 25% writer, but they always have to have the most 25 apiece. And my dad was like, what you think about that? And I was like, eh. Mm. I was a witness. So I was like, you know what? Y'all do your album. At that time, Q-Tip had just made Mob Deep's record. Mm. I was like, let me hear the beats y'all got. And Wyclef came and played me how many mics and Ready or Not and Cowboys, I think they got from Forte and, you know, a couple other things. And I was like, you know what? Y'all record your album. And if y'all need anything, call me. Wow. That's actually very honorable and noble. Yeah. That's the reason why I could still make a call and mm. deal with people. People would ask my dad all the time, you know, aren't you proud of all your son's success? And he would just simply say, I'm actually really proud that he's a good person. And that's it. Now, Salam, you and I did a song that got Grammy nominated called Beautiful Surprise for the beautiful and illustrious Tamia. Yeah. Yep. Who just reminded the world lately that she's had several albums out, no throat surgeries, and she's still good to go whenever. <laughs> <laughs> she's ready. That's actually how we create our work relationship. But uh, besides that, uh, you've done a lot of film scoring, a lot of movie work. And we actually did a song together with Leona and Jennifer, remember, for uh, Sex in the City, too. All right, Love is a Cover, right? Love is Your Color. But just talk about talk about being diverse as a musician. Because, I mean, you produce remixes, you're doing first singles, you're doing albums, you're doing your own albums. You are all over Hollywood films, indie and major just talk about what being a diverse musician has meant to you. You know, what ended up happening is that, you know, when I was young, I was sampled and my dad called me Looper Vandros. He was like, you just going to loop anything. That <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just loop anything. Look at, here he comes, Looper. And then he'd be like, sound like a, a baseball uh, commentator. Here he goes, Looper's grabbing the record, <laughs> putting it on the turntable. He's going to sample. Sample your life away, Looper. <laughs> then after a while, it's like, I go to record convention catch a record for 400 and then flip it and make 15 grand he'd be like i guess i get your point but play some music so my journey with um all types of music wasn't only because my dad was a musician and different things and growing up hearing things but also the hip-hop generation the hip-hop generation allows us to take anything from anywhere and repurpose it the process was that you know i'm sitting in a room now with all my records in it and with having all my records that I always love, it goes from genre to genre to genre, you know, whether it's funk or jazz or classical or library records or, you know, Russian pop, prog rock, anything that happens. I wanted to know, okay, this is what it is. But then now that I'm sampling it to make it sound better, I need to know how to play on top of it mm. and know how, you know, what's the engineering behind making these records. Mm. So that's really what I would blame my um, versatility on is being a hip hop kid who had to know from A to B, how am I going to make this work to be able to keep up? I had to have it to the point where no one can come and play something and shut me down. I have to be able to listen to it and know how I can make a version of that with my eyes closed. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really a big part of the growth. So, you know, going into say, you know, my first song I did for Patrick, think I'm playing bass on there. I would always be doing that stuff and then learn how to do guitars, learn, you know, I bought whole SSL studios to have more and more equipment so that I can make whatever sound needed to come up. That was part of the versatility. 
And then when it came down to songs and movie spaces and whatever it may be, just being able to sit down and listen to what the moment is and knowing how to achieve anything that we've ever heard before. And when I was working on Rush Hour 3, I worked with the great Lotto Schifrin who did, you know, Mission Impossible and Into Mm -hmm. the Dragon. And then, you know, I was 35 at the time and he was 75. And, you know, he's out there with the chopstick waving it at orchestra and he just like, this is the melody. Okay, you got it one more time. And then, you know, the orchestrator is giving it to the orchestra, so it sounds like... And I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, I could be the composer for another 40 years, and I don't have to play any of these instruments. I don't got to have a drum machine. So it just inspired me, like, yo, you know what? I need to learn how to work this orchestra thing. Crazy. recorded orchestras and I called what I call my composer's demo tape Prognosis and made an album. But within that is the music that became Lions, Tigers and Bears, Buster Windows, Nas, Black Bond, McQueen Story. He's dropping records on y'all right, right now. Right, right. He just sped through a whole bunch of catalog right there for, for everybody. Yeah, those songs were like really important, but I'd also, you know, the, on Jasmine's first album, you know, they liked her, but they weren't spending those 65 grand on a 63-piece orchestra in Prague mm-hmm. for those songs. But I had the vision, so I invested. And I said, okay, cool. Y'all, I'm going to record it. I own these samples, and I'm going to put it in her record gratis because I want to see her win. I want to see these songs win. And I invested into making that happen. And the versatility aspect of it really was me also just knowing that no matter what happens, I know how to deal with getting the orchestra done. I've taken the time on my own dime to learn how to deal with it. I wanted to take the learning. I wanted to be in every meeting they had, not just show up whenever they were willing to book a hotel for me, show up and be there the whole time and really sit down and be a student and learn from the bottom to the top, from the script all the way to the end of it, that I could actually really do it. And even now, I'm you know, executive music producer for Lee Daniels and Andrew Day uh, doing the USA versus Billie Holiday but I know what's happening and the music on is at a certain level and we had to do it as pre-records, but I knew the process better than what Lee knew at the time, even though he's done it with Empire. It was different for this um, because of the time period difference and I already knew what needs to happen, so I was able to look ahead because I took that education in Hollywood and really spent my money and my time improving my craft. We sound crazy! Ten years ago, you produced the debut song by Miguel. All I want is you. Came out May of 2010. You've worked with Miguel a few, you know, a few times. How many drinks? Uh, Face to the sun. You've done, you know, collaborated with, with Miguel many times. Take us back to All I Want Is You, though. Take us back to that. I mean, he was a new artist. I, you know, I remember him being in the group, you know, in, uh, years before that. But take us back to All I Want Is You. And you had J Cole on the record, man. Take us back.
when I was working on Jasmine's, I think her second album, or maybe the third album, she was always playing this mixtape in the studio. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, it was this kid, Miguel. I love his music. And it was quickie and short thing were on the mixtape. So I kind of heard it from them. And then when it was time when he was working on his debut album, Aunt Soleil and Nas were managing. So Nas mentioned, like, yo, we got this kid. I think Ant might want you to go in with him and do some stuff. I was like, all right, cool. Then when I asked Ant, I was like, yo, who's the A&R? Like, what labels they on? And he's like, oh, it's Mark Pitts. So I was like, oh, Mark, all right, perfect. So I understood me and Mark have a creative understanding. You know, we worked on projects together prior. And then, you know, it was Nas and Ant managing. So I felt like I was at home. So when Miguel walks in, I hadn't actually met him before. And he comes in and I gave him a track. And the first thing that he actually wrote was how many drinks. How many drinks came up probably within the first hour of him being here. Um, we had the first verse in the chorus. And then he's listening. He's like, oh, Black Radio is going to love this. But I don't want to be like Donnell Jones. I want to be different. Like if you listen to Short Thing and Quickie, mm-hmm. it's really guitars in it similar to Kaleidoscope Dream album. Mm-hmm. But he just hadn't perfected it yet. So he's like, you got anything with some guitars? Like, I just don't want to be this R&B. So what he ended up doing was asking me for guitars, and I created the All I Want Is You track for uh, CeeLo. You know, at one point, he was going to call the album um, his album Lady Killer, which I worked a lot on, uh, Lady Killer 009. So I was like, all right, cool. Well, here's a song for you to call The Thrill Is Home, make it like you're going back to Atlanta. It was James Brown meets James Bond. That's what I was thinking when I made it, mm. that piece of music. So when I play it, Miguel starts singing. I was like, all right, cool. So you ready? Let's do it. He's like, um, but what should I say on it? And I just looked at him and said, uh, just tell the truth. Mm. And he looked at me like, ooh. He said, you mind um, if you leave the room? And I was like, all right, cool. We in my house, but yeah, I'll leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> I went downstairs, ordered some Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> and the reality is that Miguel recorded. I heard it through the floor. I was like, hmm. He left after two days and was like, yo, sorry, man. I wish I would have come up with something good, man. I couldn't come up with anything. But I was like, all right, don't worry about it. We all good, you know. But I already knew the record was there. I just went back into the session and moved around some things that he did. And when I pulled the record together, I already knew who I was sending it to. I was sending it to Mark Pitts, who was going to dance in his office like Diddy. (laughs) (laughs) So he was going to hear that. And he's going to get the groove, how that melody sat on there. It sounded like Babyface was sitting on top of a bad boy record. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That was the energy of it. And what that record did was it took people from I Like This Song into I Like Miguel. We sound crazy. If you're listening to this right now, you don't follow Salam Remy on Instagram. Like, you're missing out. Like, you have the, the best musical Rolodex I've yes. ever seen in my life. And Music history. Yes, and it's like you find like you literally are digging in the crates i go through your feed and it's just like yo like where does he find these songs like stuff that i hadn't heard since i was a kid you know what i'm talking to my peers now that create i want to remind them that 30 seconds of a song can change someone's mood can change how they think can change your whole vibe it can push you in a whole nother space and this has happened time and time again in our previous, you know, musical history. But at this point, a lot of people get away with making whole albums full of, oh, but I'm here, so just like me. Nah, there's a point when that music actually makes you turn your head and then, you know, you switch your bop, you feel like a whole nother person. 
You know what I'm saying? Because it's there. And I get up in the morning and I'll be listening to Hector Laveau one day or a jazz record another day. And I'm clear that the music actually can wake up the spirits inside of you. So my Instagram, which people, you know, I never want to have to say it, but it's culture. You know what I'm saying? It's culture. I'm doing it for the culture. I'm playing things on there that if you don't get it and maybe you wasn't there, that's cool, but it's things that actually are my DJ space. It's like, I don't take requests. Well, you should play this. You should play it on your Instagram. <laughs> I'm hoping to inspire somebody else to play their favorites. At this point, I only have a career because I have taste in what I personally like. Every time I've done something that I maybe wasn't with, not only did the money cost me more than any... The money, I didn't make money. I, it cost me money. But also, my heart hurt afterwards. It made me sick. It made me have to go to therapy if I did something that I really didn't want to do. Crazy! Now, if you don't know, Salam is very, very bougie when it comes to who he works with. I'm not bullshitting you. Like I remember this to this day. When I went to work with you, Salam, in Miami, he had like a, a, a dry erase board or some kind of board with a list of people that were waiting to work with him. Labels that had called with artists, and they were all big names. They were all people that you were like, yo, you don't want to go in with so-and-so and so-and-so. And he was just like... Yeah, man, I gotta feel it. Like it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be right. Or, or it's, what's the point of doing it? You know what I would say? I wouldn't even call it bougie. You know what it is? It's like if I'm gonna do it, I gotta bring something to the table, yeah. right? And I remember um, Leona Lahavis. Mm -hmm. You know, her label at the time had called me and said she really wants to work with you, and she played me herself on guitar. And her voice is beautiful. She sounds like you know. At times, she sounds like Minnie Riperton. She has all this other flavor. Her guitar playing is great. But I honestly did not know what to add to it because I was bored with just putting bass and drums to acoustic guitar and saying this is going to be it. You know, there's times when you're able to create it or times when you got to leave it alone. And how I stay fresh is that I switch genres before I get bored. Yep. I work with certain people who are my muses in different you know, directions. Jasmine is one of my muses. But then when I hear records that she does... You know, keep, I keep them out forever, Chuck. That's just on the top of my mind. You know, she did nine songs with Chuck Harmony. When that damn forever came on, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> and, and, and it was so simple, yeah. but it still made me feel all the Al Green and made me feel like, you know, it's that thing, like when that music gets to the right place, yes, sir. you know, it, it feels sexual and spiritual at the same time. Yes, sir. And if I can't bring something that I really feel like that's it, you know, I've had meetings with Jay and with Diddy and it was like, yo, I really want to work with something with you. And it was just like, for me, I didn't have anything that I felt like I can't give a real nigga baking soda. Mm. That shit got to be pure, raw, uncut. So if I'm going to give him a track, I got to feel like in my heart, this is it. It's that thing where I, I, I stop myself and really pick based on if I'm bringing something to the table. If I do a song for your record and you got way better records, I'm like, leave my song off. I'm not there for the check or for the no MDRC commitment because I need my publishing deal to enter. No, 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 no. There's no amount of money that can fulfill doing the right thing, and that's where I'm at. Like, if the music don't feel right and if I can't bring nothing to it, I got to let it go, which is beautiful. We sound crazy. Yo, Salon, it's, it's a simple game of keep or kill. I'm going to pass off to Phil because Phil is our, is, our, is our We Sound Crazy host. Wow. <laughs> for, for Keeper Kill. Oh, man. Come on, man. We but, all can get in on this, man. But, I got a few. But, but break it down from uh, let's see what Salam's talking about. So, so Salam, basically, yeah, I mean, you literally ain't got to kill nobody. But it's just basically who's your, if you got to pick between the two options I give you, you got to give, you know, I want your honest You know you're going to get creative answers. So whatever you say to me, I've mastered the, 
the art of you ask me something and I answer what I want to anyway. <laughs> but you can go ahead. This is how we got to deal with you artists. Oh, oh there gosh. We go. All right. here, here, here we go. Let's, here we go. All right. Uh, let's go Nas or Jay. Jay-Z. Nas, because that's my energy right there. Jay-Z is great at what he does, but Nas's conversation is the conversations that I have. Lauren Hill, Erica Badu. Um... Once again, uh, I'm Team Lauren. You know, just once again, that's that's my conversation. I appreciate what Eric has done and what she continues to do. It's also the, the vocal timbre thing. You know what I'm saying? If you listen to my voice and Nas's voice and Lauren's voice, I prefer people sometimes that have the oxtail gravy and that barbecue sauce type tone voice. Uh, yes, my <laughs> dude. Come on, brethren. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? More than the higher voices. The higher voices are nice. But then they need the words to actually make it. If somebody with a rough voice sings "Happy Birthday," it already has a soul. Mm. So now the music can be expansive. Yeah, man. Donny Hathaway or Stevie Wonder? I'm Stevie. Stevie's my favorite songwriter, so I'm gonna do a Stevie. Even though I appreciate what Donny brought to the table as far as feeling and everything that was there, I felt it. But Stevie's clarity with lyrics and the way that the songs come across. You know, there was a time when Glenn Lewis came out and Jim Farber at the Daily News wrote, it's easier to sound like Stevie Wonder than to write like him. It woke me up. Mm, it made wow. me go, ooh, that wasn't nice, but I understand where he's coming from. Yeah. Biggie or Tupac? I'm probably going to go big. I appreciate Tupac, you know. I often mention that keep your head up and I get around on the same 12-inch, A-side and B-side. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, and there's a duality. But there's something about a story to tell with Big mm. that works my imagination. Like, I see this house in different versions every time I hear it. And, you know, the Big's use of comedy, and I'm going to go upside your head at the same time, mm -hmm. and I need her to come over here, but then I got this pistol in my pocket. It's something that uh, resonates, you know, home for me. Maybe because we're born like a week apart. Yeah. Faith Evans or Mary J. Blige? We're going to go Mary on that one. Um, Faith is my girl, but Mary, once again, got that thing. You know what I'm saying? It's that other little part of pain that that kicks in when Mary sings. Not that Faith doesn't have pain, but Mary got that thing. Like, you know, I saw her and Nas perform uh, during their tour last year, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going down went harder than any mm -hmm. hardcore hip-hop record that played that night. I'm going down was like a spiritual movement with the whole audience singing it. Wow. So, Mary. Wu-Tang Clan or Tribe Called Quest? Tribe Called Quest, because of not only the musings and what they brought forth, but Q-Tip started popping the drums in on the snare and had dropouts on low-end theory. Mm. That made me change the way I approach production. And not only that, just the whole tribe energy it was a combination of music you could lay down to, but the drums that made you dance. Uh, Funkmaster Flex and D or DJ Clue, keep it kill. Uh, Flex, because that's home team. And the fact that he won't stop until he gets what he wants means that no one's ever going to stop and outwork him. So definitely Flex is, uh, you know, me and him came up together. But I helped build what Flex is to this day. And that's, you hear Flex, you partially hear me. Hmm. And last but not least, Grammys or the Oscars? I mean, I'm going to say Grammys because, you know, I've been involved in the Grammys, but I'm going to also say overall I'm over the pageantry of creation. It was five people, but now you get eight people in one category that are really good. 
get them to dress their mama up and fly them out to California to sit on some uncomfortable chairs where yeah. the biggest star in the world is singing off key, yeah. but they fixing it for TV, but not in the room. Yeah. And you can't use your phone just to sit around and look who you're sitting next to and realize you're in the loser section like 10, 11, 12 times in a row. Mm-hmm. You just go, I could have stayed at home and I like y'all, but I don't like the fact that there's certain artists who can't get past the fact that they haven't won Grammys after being nominated 8, 10, 20 times. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, they feel less than so. I like it all, and I'm happy for everyone that does get the Grammy noms, and I'm happy for everyone that wins, but miss me with the bullshit. Period. Period. Crazy. Yo, dude, you are a visionary. I have told you before, I look up to you as a business person, as a musician, as a producer. Yeah. Um, We have a lot of respect for you over here at We Sound Crazy. We talk about you often, and I know your time is precious. I and Phil and Timon and Chuck really, really appreciate you taking the time to just Drop all that knowledge on us. Yeah, man. I appreciate it because, you know, I'm talking to friends. So at the end of the day, as we talk about stuff, you know, this conversation is going to come out different because of who I'm talking to. Right. Amen. Yeah. It's the, the reality. And I'm glad you guys are taking the time to share not only your conversations, but the ones that you can have that other people won't be able to have access to. Yeah. We just want, we, hopefully we're helping people. So thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Stay safe. Be healthy. All right, cool. Thanks for coming to We Sound Crazy, man. Yeah, man. And we gotta do it in person soon, when when all this settles down. Yeah, whatever that means. Whatever, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever, whatever that means, exactly. But until yeah. then, yeah, Salam. Sir. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. I'm gonna call you when I'm ready to work on my record. Right. <laughs> all right, cool. All right, cool. <laughs> Later, we sound crazy. So let's talk about briefly, y'all. Y'all been hearing what's going on with Nick Cannon? Yeah, I heard some of it. I'm not. So he was fired from Viacom CBS for something he said on his podcast. Something he said on his podcast regarding his opinion, his personal opinion about, I guess, race relations or the history of black culture, the history of white culture. And he, I know he also referenced uh, Louis Farrakhan and whatever he said. I've I've seen a bunch. I can't because it's it's a podcast, so people are taking different clips from it, but. What I understand is that whatever he said in the podcast, ruffling up feathers where he got fired from Viacom CBS, and that same day where Wildin' Out should have been playing, they'd already replaced it with the Fresh Prince. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's great. I it mean, was immediate. It was immediate. Yeah. So apparently um, Public Enemy's Progressive Griff was on the uh, episode with Nick, mm-hmm. and in the interview uh, or the conversation, Nick referenced Minister Louis Farrakhan in the uh, interview and reference I'm um, referred to black people as the true Hebrews. Okay. So he was considered anti-Semitic uh, as a result of some of the comments that he made though. But I'm like, wow, that's, I, <laughs> I know we're in the cancel culture, right? Mm. but I feel like Viacom, because of the relationship with Dick, I mean, while and out has been on since 2005. Mm-hmm. I just felt like maybe it was some type of conversation or sensitivity training, maybe educating youth as a teachable moment, but just to quickly just cut them. You know, I'm like, wow. Cause I, I, cause I've met Nick Cannon before and I just don't get like that. He's a, a Anti- bad person anti-Semite. or anti-Semite or, or, or racist for that matter. I just, I just think it was a bit, a bit extreme. I agree. Yeah. It's a fine line because I mean, what's free speech then? I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm just saying like it's, we all know that when you're doing things for the major networks, that there's there's a code of ethics you have to you have, you have to abide by because you're on 
in in family households at dinner time and you, you know the whole spiel but i'm saying he's on his podcast and he's a famous person so yes many people are watching it but where could a nick if if you're a nick cannon right and you are a, a human being and a citizen like everyone else where could you voice your opinion if not on your podcast yeah and i'm, I'm just not- asking like where 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 would it be that besides his personal journal that everyone's allowed to have if everyone else has a podcast and a social media and a, a, a tiktok and Facebook and Instagram and they're and they're and they're on IG Live all day talking about everything about everything. Then where would a Nick Cannon in twenty twenty be able to voice his opinion about the world, but on his platform without being fired for it? Mm. I'm just curious, and that's I, I'm not taking. I'm just asking because it affects all of us in our free speech. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I, to Phil's point, I feel like like he's never. It's not like he has a a running history of being of saying of having this shock value and, and saying st- stuff that's gone left I just feel like they just I honestly feel like had it been someone of another color it wouldn't have been this immediate it comes down to like the danger of society at large just canceling people for something that they did or something right. that they said like and it ha- and it's, it's just on all sides if you think about it like in reality, he who without sin cast the first stone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like we all say stupid shit. We all do stupid shit on any given day. And that's of, not new. Of any given week. And so it's 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 the self righteousness uh, with which we cancel each other that just makes the whole the whole thing dangerous. Now now it's just you can't say nothing. You can't you can't have an opinion without a group of people trying to cancel you and whether that's corporate or whether it's on Twitter or just the whole thing and I just I think we need to step back even in our emotions literally uh, everybody say stupid shit on 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 social media at a certain point you know and you you want to chastise them or you want to be like fuck them but you got to give room for all of us that say stupid shit which is a hundred percent of a humanity and I just I feel like we need to we need to step back and realize the kind of monster we create for our own selves. Now, I do feel like there are some people that are just, they say crazy shit time after time after time. And it's just like, well, that's really who you are. And, but at the same time, like if personally, if I, I'll make that decision to not support them, and I, but I'm not going to go and try to broadcast it and get that's, everybody. That's, that's the point. point. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's your prerogative to subscribe yeah. to it or not, because yeah. people saying crazy things is not a new thing. Right. And there's actually people that I follow or that I check out that I know say crazy things. I know they're flagrant. I know, yeah. I know it's, it's over the top. Like I'll, like I, I'm online. I know how certain people feel about Kaya, for example. And I know she said things that are super offensive, but I've also checked out her things and I've chuckled sometimes. Now yeah. I could cancel her because she's, by this standard, cancelable, right? Mm-hmm. By that standard, every everyone's saying crazy things in someone's opinion. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So we've all lived enough life to know that we've laughed at some crazy things. We've seen yeah. on stage in our private lives, people say crazy things on at the on the pulpit in church in public places at the it's, White House. At the White House. That's what I'm saying. Speaking like, of, go out and vote. Make sure you please. register to vote, please. So we can, so, so we can hear less crazy things. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying, but I mean that's the point. Is like. If we're, if we're not going to have uh, uh, an, an equilibrium to our canceling, then it doesn't really make any sense. And, 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 and this thing sheds light on something that's been troubling me for the last few weeks is that it's so easy because it's the topic of the day for these corporations to say they stand with black people. Right. But 
Nick Nick Cannon is a black man and you canceled him with with one podcast, somebody that you had a whole relationship with. Exactly. So so when does that kick in in actuality? You know what I'm saying? Not just in talk and not just diversity um goddamn um what you call it zoom meeting <laughs> right right you know zoom conferences and panels and it all gotta, that bullshit it got to kick in at a certain point because it's it's just like it it seems like sometimes people don't even read the room you know what i'm saying like right. like viacom and cbs read the room like that's not the the right time to just to be firing some black man on the whim because it, it actually looks crazy. It looks very, you know what very just, similar to the Lady Antebellum situation. I was, I was just about mm. to say that. Like, yeah. and and I mean, we sat on, on boards with, with dude from Dave. Dave, from Dave. And so, I, I mean, and I've only had pleasant encounters with him. So I, 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 I won't call him anything because it ain't nothing to call him but Dave. But yeah. at the same time, I would suggest that Dave read the room because if if you're doing this because you're saying that black lives matter so much that I don't want to offend, but then you're taking a black life to court. Yeah. Yeah. And you, in, in hopes of erasing what legacy she's built, whether it's big or small in your eyes, like as soon as y'all become lady a, now you probably can't going to never find her music. And after you become lady and let's a be, and let's, let's be in clear. Google search, you're never going to see her again. And let's, let's, let's be clear. Like when some, when an entity as big as lady antebellum, takes an entity as small as this lady to court that's financial murder pretty much yeah. like I've been like through. it's homicide like mm-hmm. you are the, the court situation alone will drive whatever she's going has going on into the dirt, dirt. period so just the fact that, that it's become a court matter has already destroyed her career and it didn't have to be because you could have just been like, listen, I'm black and I and I have Need You Now by Lady Antebellum. And when I when I downloaded on Apple or whatever, I wasn't offended that their name was was Antebellum because because yeah. actually we 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 still buy Dixie cups and all kind of the bullshit that's racist. But that's what, but that's so what I'm, but y'all I'm, took it upon yourselves. But that's what I'm saying. We need to step. Everybody need to step back and see what we're actually doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is this thing that? What are these tears and what are these pleas that we're actually making? Because we're actually making it bad for race relations. Yeah, it's a mess. You know what I'm saying? This this thing with Lady Annabellum that just looks terrible. They look yeah. cra- they look crazy. They look crazy because they could have just they could have just been Lady Antebellum. Anything but literally disenfranchising a black soul singer who has had the name for 20 years. You know what I'm saying? And after having talked to her and zoomed with her and all the shit that y'all did to pretend as if it was going to be nice to dig your heels in because you want a name that you never had before because now you feel bad that black lives have been hard? Sounds nuts. Yeah. It just but, sounds crazy. Well, Chuck, at your next Grammy board meeting, talk to Dave Haywood. <laughs> 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 he, is the, he is the vice president of our national chapter, so you should really carve out some time and yeah, make this yeah, a yeah. teachable moment because yeah. maybe they need additional perspective because I maybe. just when I read the back and forth and just where it's going, I'm like, this is kind of like... What y'all been listening to? You know what? I was spying on Timon's playlist a few days ago. Mm. I typically do that on Spotify because you get to see what your friend's activity is on the right hand side. Because Timon be knowing. Because Timon be knowing. So I was like, what is he listening to? And I was like, oh, let me listen to this. It's a hope we Thank you. Ooh, ooh, that's just what I do, 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 and that's just how we do it, do it.
yeah, Chloe and Halle. It's so cool because it. I feel like I can. I, I'm hearing what Beyonce would sound like if she was young. Yeah, yeah. 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 Scott Storch did that record, so I can totally yeah. hear B on that. So yeah, that's Parkwood Entertainment. I love that. That made me smile. Yeah. Thanks, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Phil. So thanks to Moan. I was spying on him. So <laughs> thanks to Moan. <laughs> thanks, T. Um, so there's a single out um, by a young lady named India Sean. The name of the song. I is love Cali. India. Cali Love, and she. I've been following her since her first. Well, her first record, Indigo. You know, yeah, she's been putting out great music for years, but she's um, now signed to Epic, I believe. Okay. And um, oh, she has a single wow. out called Cali Love that I absolutely adore right now. So that's what I'm. Shout India out love. India. Shout, shout out, out India. Shout out India. Sylvia Rome. What's Zeke? good? What up? Zeke Lewis. I just stopped looking for love in LA. Cause you can ride a beach wave, beach babe. Live a movie cliche, big brave. You can even meditate, vibrate. But what do you find a true love in LA? Yeah, you can smoke the day away, Medicaid. India Sean. Yeah. Yeah. That's vibes. My vibe, I caught this last night randomly. The girl group Total. Kim Akisha and Pam. Pam. Second album. Mm -hmm. Sitting Home. Yeah. Uh. D. Angeletti. Oof. I remember mm. the video. Yeah, me too. You feel me? The video was like a, a vibe and just a yeah. good time. And this was the last me. single, wasn't it? Yeah. Wow. Before they broke up. You feel me? Total help me sing. Total man, you feel that me? Sounds so good. That sounds so good. Yeah, what, what I, caught me I, off guard. This I can't believe it's been what twenty four years since really twenty three years since that record. Yeah, man. that's a good album, man. Yeah. Kima Keisha and Pam. Kima Keisha and Pam. Keisha Pam. and Pam. I love them. Pam. I got so many <laughs> great times and interesting times. <laughs> what I've been listening to, and it, it, it happened in a weird way because I've I've literally been having insomnia where I get home about nine o'clock, fall asleep. Man, by from twelve to like six, I'm up all the whole night just doing crazy shit, random shit. But went uh, the other day, I got I woke up and I woke up to the tune of an R. Kelly song. It was um, 
Oh Lord. Can't sleep remix. <laughs> <laughs> you saw Keepy Phil's face. <laughs> no, but it, it was just a na 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 na. Yeah, did y'all remember that song? Uh-huh. The system's not downloading. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Shout out to Robert, man. Baby, I'm sorry. Fade this because I don't want us to get canceled. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I, I don't I bump Rob. You know I'm saying I, I do too. But it's funny though that we um you mentioned that song Chuck because the original version I had several people try to convince me to flip that to make it a gospel song. Mm. Recently, yeah, yeah, like in the last couple of years, I'm like, but the lyrics. I mean, I, I kind of think I see where they wanted to go, but I'm like, you know, the church don't care. <laughs> I can't sleep, Jesus. I without you in my life. You hard pass for you? It's a hard. It's a hard pass. We so crazy. Uh, 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 uh. Looking at my rolly, it's about that time. Esther Roll Award. my shepherd I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green it's that time for the Esterol Black Excellence Award Mm, sponsored by Timon Bacon sponsored by (laughs) Bacon Bacon from Bacon Bacon. (laughs) bacon. y'all already know what it is it's time to celebrate a black a blackity black black person that has done amazing things excellent things in any field that we feel moved us personally this week so you know esther roll led the way with her excellence as an actress as a philanthropist as an it as an intellectual as an a, entertainer an entertainer as all around zeta, entertainer as a member of zeta phi beta as a, a member of zeta, zeta phi beta. beta and so in the spirit of esther and all she did may she rest in peace and sweet heavenly peace we continue her legacy by honoring people that may not always get the the the, the tv time or the or the media coverage but damn sure deserve mm. An award for their black excellence. You feel what I'm saying to you? Absolutely. This is where Chuck nominates Terry Crews. <laughs> <laughs> we sound crazy. <laughs> oh my goodness. If there were a coon section for this award, well, that, that's, that, that's where it fall. Yeah. Terry. A lot of coonery happening these days. All right. All right. So who y'all nominating? I who y'all my... nominating this week? So, I think. I'm gonna nominate the, the the young man that we talked to today, Mr. Salam Remy. I don't think he gets the recognition that he deserves, even though he's he's been implemented in so many different eras in music over the past, what, 30 plus years? Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in the game as long as I've been alive and he just does not get talked about enough. So I'm gonna nominate Salam Remy. I second that. I think Salam is more than deserving. His discography speaks for itself. He's a, he's a visionary. 
Yeah, I mean, you you can't question his receipts and what he done brought to the music business. Right? Definitely cannot. And he done did it all in in the office, in the studio, on the Hollywood lots. It's crazy. On the Hollywood lots, Salam is has taught me a lot. He's one of the few people that kept it real with me and gave me some good advice. And that 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 catalog, not, he don't have a log. He's got a catalog. So, super catalog. Super catalog. So I, I, I also agree with that nomination for Salam Remy, the illustrious. That was easy. So that's unanimous. 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 Salam Remy. If, what you didn't know is you just got the Esterol Award you know for Black Excellence because you are Black Excellence. Shout out to Salam Remy, man. We sound crazy. All right, y'all. So what are we going out on today? I didn't really know. But can I suggest something? Sure. I kind of what feel like when Salam said A. Marie weather, I felt like I just wanted to hear A. Marie. Yeah. And we never have to play A. Marie. Mm. And it is summertime, is it not? Which it one, though? I don't know. What, what, what does she have? Does she have a catalog? Does she have a catalog? I think A. Marie has a catalog. Yeah, she got okay. a catalog just because it's like gotcha. she got a classic album. Yeah. And that's that, a catalog. That's twelve songs. Yes. Or however many songs. A, a no skips. That of no, literally no skips. Yeah, that, that first record is summer of two thousand two. Shout out Rich Harrison. Harrison. Shout out Rich Harrison. Let's go to summer anthem. Let's go. Why don't we fall in love? Let's do it. Let's Thank do you it. everyone for listening. Shout out to our producer Guru for holding us down. Woo. Guru. Woo. Make sure you follow us on all socials: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, MySpace. Black Planet at We Sound Crazy Podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. Oh, yeah. and YouTube, yeah. YouTube. Subscribe. We about to add more content to YouTube. We want to make it special. So Come subscribe. On, subscribe to YouTube. We want, we want to hear from y'all. We want to build our community. We love y'all. And make sure you um listen to the playlist tomorrow. We still got to play this on oh, Spotify oh, oh, now. Of course. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, Apple, Spotify. We got to play this for each episode and vibes. Good vibes, y'all. Until next time. Try to find some joy this summer. This song should help you do it. Come